You're listening to Our Two Cents with the team from SGL Financial, building wealth for life. Steve Lewitt is the president of SGL Financial and Gabriel Lewitt is the CEO. They're here to discuss all the latest in financial news, trends, strategies, and more. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Our Two Cents. This is Gabriel Lewitt along with Stephen Lewitt. The other cent. And we are here in October already. The Welcome tr- the, to fall. The trees are turning yellow. Yellow, reddish, still mm-hmm. mostly greenish as mm-hmm. I see them out the window. But uh, yeah, we're excited to talk to you today. And uh, speaking of fall, you know, I was out at a little pumpkin fest near my house over the last weekend. It was packed. It was a mob scene. I, yeah. I drove past there and I was I knew yeah. you guys were headed there and I said, good luck yeah, to you. Yeah, there was uh, quite a lot of people there, rides. My son and I went through a corn maze. Mm. which is kind of cool because he's small and the corn stalks were tall. And, uh, yeah, it was that a lot of fun. Do you remember, <coughs> excuse me, do you remember, Gabriel, uh, when you grew up in Vermont? I did grow up in Vermont. And isn't that the most beautiful, change the season in Vermont when the hills are on fire? Mm-hmm. I think it's the most beautiful thing ever. Yeah, you just see rolling hills of red, orange, yellow. I mean, it's gorgeous. And, you know, certainly if you've never been out there for fall foliage season, Make a trip. To, yeah. Uh, make head a on trip. out there. You could also go in winter, uh, do a little, uh, um, what's it called? <laughs> maple syruping. Snowboarding. Maple syruping. Right. Yeah, where you, make, you tap the maple trees, make the syrup, heat it up. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, it smells good. Delicious. Mm-hmm. Delicious. Okay, well, anyways, moving on to little our show. No, little nostalgia here, never heard. Yeah, yeah. So hope you guys are doing well. Uh, we've got uh, a couple things lined up to talk to you about here today. Number one on our list is we're going to focus a bit on the market and some of the updates that are occurring there. And if you've been following, maybe you haven't been following, either way, we want to just talk to you about what it's doing. So last week, of course, was a bit of a um, challenging week in the market. Roller coaster. Roller coaster is uh, is in full display mode here this year. And uh, it has recently in the last week, I don't have the exact date in front of me, reached the S&P, for example, reached its uh, low on the year. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was lower than its prior low back in June, where it had already been down around 22, 23%. Yes. And so uh, people out there are wondering, again, you know, when is this bear market going to end, right? We are now in October. This market has been sliding now for almost eight, uh, sorry, 10 months. That's correct. And, you know, people rightfully are like, okay, I get it. It's down. When's it going to end? <laughs> Go back up, right? Yeah. It's and, a, and, and so there's questions out there like, what should you be doing right now that it's been 10 months, right? Or, or yeah, that's what I, I would, I, I, you just read my mind. I was going to say that everybody wants, people want to do something. Yeah, they're tired, of, like, tired of waiting yeah, and look, seeing. I, I got to do, right, do something about something. this, right? I got to fix yep. it. Mm-hmm. Well, and so... You know, we thought it was would be a good thing because we talked about the market uh, a couple times throughout the year, in, in particular on the show. And as we've reached new, you know, milestones, if you will, on the year, we thought we'd continue to bring up, you know, topics around what to do, how to think about it, how to approach these kind of markets. And so right now, I think it's really an interesting time because, you know, people are at this point where they're ready to take action. And I've gotten some questions from listeners as well, which I've 
I'm not saying the actual question, but actually talking about it here conceptually is part of what prompted this topic. And people are asking things like, okay, should I, should I buy something completely not in the market right now, right? I'm just, is it going to continue to go down further for the next year or two? I had one client in particular say, you know, I'm really concerned, Gabe. You know, you've got China out there. You've got this Russia, Ukraine thing still. Uh, you just had another Fed rate announcement. Sounds like, got, <laughs> it sounds like me. You've got hurricanes <laughs> out there. You've got, you know, and just went on and on and on. And I said, well, look, you know, that's we got to talk about, you know, what do you want to do, right? If you want to stay in the market, right, that comes with, you know, pros and cons. If you want to do something else, that comes with pros and cons. And if you want to do this, that has some pros and cons. And so that's what I want to talk about today is what are options that people have with their money today as it stands. And we're just going to cover a range of different options. And we're going to talk about those pros and cons. Okay, I'm in. Sound good? Yeah, I'm All good. All right, so I'm that good. was our that was our introduction into what we're going to cover here. Okay, so option number one, you've got a portfolio today. Well, let's talk about the easy option. Uh, you could do nothing. No, I think that's the hardest option, actually. Well, easy conceptually to talk about. Easy to say, hard to do. Hard to do. Now, why is that hard to do? Well, it, it, funny, I have a new piece I put together, which I, I used on um, a meeting with a client. And I'm happy to send it to you if you'd like it. But in, in our industry, there's all these images that talk about the roller coaster of emotions of being in the market. <laughs> yes. And I thought I would use one of those examples on the show here to explain why it's hard <laughs> hard to do to just do nothing. Okay. So I'm going to, uh, Dad, if you're following along here, I'm going to go to, I think it's page four. Okay. So you can't see the graph I'm looking at, so I'll do my best to explain it. But let's go back to, say, the end of last year. Okay, when the market was still trending up, right? The first thought, and this this is, was a study done by Credit Suisse on the psychology of investing, and so this is a great graphic that you can see. And and there's comments as if what's going through your mind, what's playing through your mind at different points in the market. So towards the tail end of last year, what according to this uh, uh, image here, the first comment going through your head might be, ah, I see a trend going upward. I should continue to watch this market. Right to see th is this trend going to continue? Yes. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and then <laughs> the market continues to go up. So you say, "Whoo! Um, if I wait any longer, I'm not going to profit. I better buy now." Yes. Right. You don't want to miss out. The trend is looking up. Yes. Okay. And then the, uh, the 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 market then starts to level off and go down. And then your your brain says, "Thankfully, I didn't wait to buy." Right. You know, because uh, it's continuing to go. Uh, maybe just. Sorry, I was looking at the wrong part. It was going up still. So you say, thankfully, I didn't wait to buy. I got in at the right time. And you're very happy with yourself at that point in time because you bought in a little bit lower and the market continued to go up. Well, there's enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. You know, the market is high. It's going up. Everybody's excited. Mm -hmm. In the back of your mind, you know, you're saying, well, it could go down. But the but look, everybody <laughs> else is doing yeah, great. Look how, yeah, exactly. Uh, I can do great. Uh, FOMO. I don't want to miss out on some bigger gains yeah, here. Yeah, it's yep. like this is good. This is really good. Uh, you know, I'm going to stick in there. Yep. Okay. And then the very first sign of rockiness occurs and your, your portfolio goes down a little bit. And you don't know yet if this is going to continue. Is this a small trend? So your brain says, you know what? This this is a better price now than it was when I just bought uh, maybe six months ago or five months ago. You know what? I'm going to buy more. Right? <laughs> yeah, I'm yes. going to buy more. Yes. Because uh, no, I believe gonna, in long term. No, Gabriel, okay, let's get clear here. So you're talking about buying and selling decisions, not somebody that has a portfolio and they're not actively buying. This. Well, yeah. Yeah. 
in general, what's yeah, correct. If someone just has a portfolio, they're very they do very little with this. Won't won't be as applicable. But the same things go through their mind. Yeah. This positive feeling. Oh, this is great. I'm making money. I'm going to leave it alone. I'm not going to do anything. You know, we don't get calls. You know, yeah. Steve, I'd like to review my portfolio. It's doing so well. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. Well, and so okay. Now on this graph, the uh, the graph has now declined to lower than where it originally started. And the comment and thought of someone at that point is, "Wow, okay, now it's really on a good deal, right? I better buy some more since I liked this before and I bought it at a higher price. I could continue to buy more of this stock at this price, okay? And as the market continues to slide." Right now, the comment on the chart is, I can't believe it. The prices now have. This must be the, the bottom, right? Yes, <laughs> must be. Must be, right? And then uh, finally, it gets down to what's in this graph, actually the bottom. And someone says, enough is enough. I should sell this darn stock and never look at stocks again. I'm going to sell it now. Yeah, I really got hurt. I really got hurt. I, I knew that was going to happen. I knew that was going to happen, right? And then it goes down a little bit further, and your brain says, oh, good thing I sold everything. Yes. Right? Because it's still going down. Yes. Uh, and then it goes up and down a bit, and you're like, okay, what, what's going to happen? What's going on here? Is this up? Is it down? And then it starts to finally recover, and you say, okay, I knew all along that it would recover. And then it recovers more, and you say, okay, finally it's time to buy again. At least it was cheaper than, you know, than last time, right? But you still don't know. You're always saying to yourself, well, I wonder if this is temporary. It's going <laughs> to come down. So I wanted to well, share. It's, like, the, it's yeah. like yesterday. The market was way up, right? Yeah. Yeah. But Maybe what, buy more? Sell? Should I buy more? Is that temporary like it was on Thursday or Friday? Yeah. You know, what's – I don't know. I now, don't know. Now, you're, you're spot on. This is mostly in, in the world of someone that likes to trade – Right, and, and that feels like they should be doing something consistently. This is the mindset that's going to be most prevalent for you. And, and then you look at some of the stocks this year, right? This is why, right? You see, uh, and I got a list here that we were researching of stocks that are down this year. Now, the market we just talked about, the S&P, is, say, down 22% on the year. Well, some, some individual stocks are far worse than that, right? We've got FedEx is down 40% and just went through a 20% drop. After they released their, uh, they they revised their earnings projections on yeah, the year. That really, the biggest uh, drop in the history happened. of FedEx. That's never happened okay. before. Meta's down fifty nine percent on the year. That's Facebook. CarMax is down forty seven percent. Nike. So we've got cars, online technology, shipping. Nike's down fifty percent. That's clothing, retail. Adobe, which is computer technology, fifty one point five percent. Ford minus forty six point one. Cruises, Carnival. Minus mm. 65.1. And then AMD, which is computer chips and technology and big reason why, you know, cars are s supposedly so expensive right now because of the chip shortage, you think they would be positive, is minus 56%. Mm -hmm. So you look at all these and then you try to look at the market and you say, you know, should I be buying yet? Should I be selling yet? And even if you don't do that on an individual stock basis, if you have this mindset, you tend to apply that even to your mutual funds or to whatever it else it is that you own, and that's what makes not doing anything so difficult. Yeah, and there's another piece to that, Gabriel, that I think is important is that when the market goes down, we're talking about the market going down, but when you own individual stocks, you don't own the market. Mm -hmm. You own individual stocks. And what you're saying to myself is, okay, I lost 51% in this stock, or whatever it is, and when the market recovers, that stock will recover the 51%. The problem is when the market recovers, 
the stocks that lose going down aren't necessarily the ones that recover when the stock goes up. You just don't know it. And so I think the 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 point here of going through that uh, emotional cycle there that is very common is that what most people end up doing is they sell about halfway during halfway through the market <laughs> downturn as soon as soon as right? their euphoria turns yeah. as to as soon greed, as they, they start to get uh, to fear to fear right as soon as they start to worry that this is persistent that this is going to continue they they then typically sell and that might be about where we are right now which is part of why I wanted to bring that up because we don't know if we're at the bottom if we're halfway through is this a a 10 month bear market is it going to be a 2 year bear market well, you're losing. It's a natural human reaction. Hey, I'm losing. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to lose more because things are not looking good. Because that's what I hear. You know, mm-hmm. I hear it from the news. I hear it from the pundits. I hear it from. Yeah, that's not looking good. Uh, and I'm losing. So why don't I ease my pain mm-hmm. by going to cash? And you say if if the market is going to like this one client I talked to uh, said well what if what if I think there's going to be five years of of negative uh, or flat growth uh, shouldn't I shouldn't I sell now and just you know sit in cash well you know if you knew that to be <laughs> hey wait there's there's a big difference between what if yeah that's and, that's exactly where I, was I know what's going to happen if you knew yeah if you yes. knew yeah go go for it but you're saying what if and so that's that's so important because so many people out there are acting as if they know what's going to happen just because they have a strong feeling about things have been bad for a while and they still look bad out there so the market must continue to go down, right? It seems like such an easy one, two, three uh, equation that you can count on. And so your brain says, I should probably sell this and prevent any more losses. Exactly. Okay. So so there's another list here you gave me, Gabriel, which I think is fantastic if I can find it. <laughs> in, all the, in all the papers you gave me this morning, <laughs> uh, this is uh, what you can do and what you can't oh, do. Oh, yeah. So that was part of this because uh, we're talking about things you can or can't or should or shouldn't do. And this was by our money manager, Savant, has put this piece out. And I do think it's a good list, so so we can talk about that if you'd like. Yes. So you have a. So what can I do? What can't I do? I can't abandon my plan. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. I have a plan to get from A to B, and I want to keep going from A to B. But what I can do is go to my plan and stick to the fundamentals of the plan. This is how I can offset that feeling of abandoning the plan. Mm-hmm. All right. What I can't do is wait until the dust settles. Because we don't Just know. Wait it out. Yeah, right? we, we don't know what dust is going to settle. How much dust, how long will it take to settle? Exactly. So you can look at the historical evidence and data. And this, folks, you know, Gabriel and I have been through so many of these kind of markets to us. Remember we talked about the child, your first kid that skins <laughs> their knee and you're like, I remember when you, who you weren't my first kid though. Uh, I was not. But when, when Christopher, Third. the first time Third he skinned kid. his knee, it was like, oh, my God, let's take him to the emergency room. Let's get the, the medical. He's a little scratch on his knee. That's why you ignore me because I was the third no, kid. You're number three. Well, what about <laughs> just, number five? Just, just kidding. Lucas skinned his knee, and I <laughs> say, well, get up, kid. Uh, yeah. and just, just take it. And, and we, we've been through this so many <clears> times. It's like, yeah, oh-hum. Not really oh-hum, but kind of oh-hum. Like, yeah, it's okay. We've been well, down this road before. And also, you know, it's interesting because I have personally 
seen and heard stories from so many clients that have attempted to do something, you know, really active or really different or radical in a in a uh, bad market and and have firsthand witnessed that they end up way behind than other clients. Oh, I can I can I Right, I, I, I story after story. So uh, part of this comes from personal experience as well. Uh, but the other thing on this list here, you can't know what the markets are going to do, right? And you now, can't can you, let can, your emotions can, drive your actions. Can you say that again? You cannot know what the markets will do. Folks, and I'll be brutal on that. I don't care how you're feeling or what your intuition says yeah. or what your second sense says or what your gut says. You don't know. We don't know. Our money managers don't know. The right. pundits so, don't, so, nobody knows. So when you get that advertorial, which we were talking about the other day on a podcast, right, advertorial, that says, you know, does your advisor tell you to just stick with your portfolio? Shouldn't they be telling you to do something? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, so there's an entire, you know, group of advisors out there that are trying to pick on the fact that, you know, some advisors tell you not to do much if you have a good plan and a good portfolio. That's key. Right. And by saying that you can and should, and they have the magic crystal ball that if you just follow their picks and recommendations, you can avoid the losers and pick the winners and come out ahead. And that's why I think people feel like they should do something because they say, well, there should be something I can buy that would make me money right now, right? Let's mm -hmm. just buy that. There might be. <laughs> there <laughs> go, go find it. Right. And so that's so speculative, isn't it? Trying to believe you can sell the losers and buy the winners and do that consistently enough to... It's, it's what speculation is. I yeah. am speculating <laughs> on the future. Yep. Uh, and you can't speculate on the future because the future is unknown. It's unknown in our entire lives. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. And so the other thing to then consider is... Imagine we were using this example, right? You're halfway down and then you, you do sell. Let's say you go to cash. You say, well, I'm just fed up with this whole thing. Well, here's what then happens, right? You, you, you wait until the market goes down a bunch and then maybe starts to come back and it gets about to where you were before when you first sold on the recovery side, right? And you say, okay, uh, I'm not sure if this is over yet. I'm going to wait till it gets a little bit higher, mm. right? So I'm really sure that we're in recovery mode. And then you buy back in at a higher point when you're sure that you're in recovery mode. And what happens? Well, you went past where you initially sold and you bought back in at a higher point, right? So you sold low and you bought high and you lost a bunch of money because what happens and what most people won't admit is that if they do sell and go to cash, they're going to be really reticent to step their feet back in the pool until they're absolutely sure that they're not going to lose more money. Mm -hmm. And at that point in time, you are now much further behind than you would have been had you uh, it's done e nothing. It's easy to get out. Yeah. You know, it's easy to get out. Hi, Steve, sell everything. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> I won't say okay, but okay, we <clears throat> sold everything. Yeah. Now, what's the next conversation? How do Steve? You call when, me, yeah, when, you're gonna, yeah, you're gonna call me up. Should I buy back in now? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I didn't think you should have sold. <laughs> <You're> right. Should <laughs> I? Uh, two months later, should I buy back in now? My answer: I don't know, because <laughs> there's never a good time to buy in well, and it, to get out. And if you purposely sell to buy back in in a short term, let's say you're selling so you think you can buy in lower, this is the definition of market timing and speculation. 
and it's just an even more risky approach to investing. Which yeah, well, that's is, gambling. To me, yeah. that's gambling. So, so you know, as you look at your options, you say, okay, well, well, what else can I do, right? And I think this is the key. If you have a well-created plan, well-designed plan, you have a, a an efficient, diversified, well-built portfolio, like you do if you're clients of ours. You have a plan. You have a great portfolio. Uh, you have a good advisor helping guide you through things. Most of the time, the the best option isn't isn't to make any emotional changes. Unless, you know, Gabriel, if someone came in and said, Steve, we're, you know, the market's down, we're losing money, I understand because I invest in the stock market, I know I'm, there's a point I'm going to lose money. Let's say someone actually <laughs> understands that. Uh, but I want to reassess my plan. Mm -hmm. Okay. I, I want to, you know, my goal was 8% a year, 7%. I want to reassess. I'm, I think I'm ready to go more conservative. Well, it, it is really, it's interesting you mentioned that. And it's part of what prompted me to want to talk about this on the show. I mean, I had a meeting with the client last week that had uh, up till this point when we met and did their plan originally two years ago in the midst of the, a very strong bull market, they were very market uh, minded. Okay. And this year, they, we just had a review two weeks ago, and they said, okay, we think this is maybe more volatility than we wanted in our plan. Do we have any other options? Now, this is where there are other options, right? And before, yeah. we were talking about market options, okay? Now, we could talk about non-market options. And one of the things that we looked at for them was a, a five-year, very short-term growth annuity, okay? And we can talk about what are non-market options. There's a few of them that will have zero downside risk and a cap on the S&P 500 of around 10%. I'm just using a round number. So you can average over, say, 7 to 10 years, you know, 6 7% with no risk. Exactly. And, and, they, and they said to me, I, I think we'd rather have that. Yeah. Okay. Now, did you get a note signed? That said, if we go into another bull market, <laughs> that they're okay not making well, as much well, as they the could have part, made. Right, that's the other part. You got to, you know, you get a little upside uh, cap for zero downside risk, uh, but then you do cap that upside. Yeah, you cap right? it. So okay. you sacrifice a little upside. For, you know why? Because, folks, your well-being, your holistic well-being is more important than making more, a few extra points in the market. Well, it, and, yeah. and, and if it comes down to that, well, take care of yourself. Yeah. And then, you know, there's uh, other options, which, you know, I, I was talking to a client. He said, well, what are our options? Okay, so here are our options. We can stay in the market. We can get out of the market. We can use annuities instead of bonds or annuities instead of even equities if we just want safe growth. Uh, we can also look at a buffered, what's called a RILA, registered index linked also an annuity, but it, it's a little different. It's got a, a much higher or even uncapped S&P on the upside, but they have buffers on the downside of either minus 10%, minus 25%. So you, you can get some higher growth, but still downside protection of either 10 or 15 or 25%. Explain what that means. Well, it, it, mean, it depends on if it's a buffer or a floor, and that's a little more beyond the scope of this. Oh, basically you're protected yeah, you're on losses. Yeah, you're protecting up on... to a certain downside amount where yeah, it won't, it right. won't, it, you won't lose money. If, if the market goes down only 25% and you have a, a floor 
uh, that protects any losses up to 25%, then you wouldn't have any losses. That's correct. Okay. So that's an interesting option for people. Uh, you've also got you know life insurance. Fixed index universal life insurance can be a market replacement tool. Which would tie into a tax-free strategy. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. You've got, uh, with interest rates rising, one of the advantages, you've got fixed rate MIGAs right now, 5% guaranteed for five years. Amazing. Okay, if you're saying and just uh, how long ago? Eight months ago, it was two percent uh, for 2% five years. For right, so you, you get five percent guaranteed now for five years, zero risk. Okay, some people really like that idea, and so now other people say, well, I, shouldn't shouldn't I wait for the market to recover before I do anything different? <laughs> well, you might be waiting a long time. Well, if we knew exactly what the market would do and when it would do it, that could be a good decision. But again, we don't know, right? Yeah. And so we always want to look at what is it that we're worried about? Are we comfortable with our plan? You know, in our plans, we do bucketing for, for folks. So most people aren't worried because of their buckets. But ultimately, there are options. If you're really looking for options, we just got to figure out what is the right choice for you. The only option we tend to strongly discourage is uh, market timing and believing that there's, you know, people out there that know the future and can make all the smart buys and avoid all the bad buys. You know, that's really just uh, playing to your emotions. And I think, Gabriel, that ties into the next topic that you have for us, which is, you know, what if we look at it? Excuse me, folks, I got a frog in my throat. Uh, if we look at this, where are you in relation to your retirement? Are you close to retirement? So in football terminology, is like, are you in the red zone? Are you stealing my transition? I, I am. You just stole I my just, transition. I, I did. I do the transition. I, I know, but you were you were. I, I wanted to. I, that's too violent. I was going to say pull the trigger. Don't don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah. I wanted to move along. Oh, okay. And, and you could have just kicked me under the table. I, yeah, but I, I don't know. I just I felt the need hmm. to lead the way. But okay, I'm ready. Lead. I'm ready to. No, no. I'm ready to forge turn. ahead. No, I'm, you're the you're the transition <laughs> guy. So go, I'm ready to give up the reins. Well, I, we we were both implying here that uh, with football season in the air. <laughs> And those bears going a uh, well two and two, mm. right? Uh, we could talk about some football analogies. Going to get a lot worse than that, right? Some football. You think? I think so too. Yeah. Uh, and you had mentioned the red zone, something the bears don't see a lot of. <laughs> I'll pick on them, Fonda. They're my team. I can make fun of them, mm-hmm. right? So the red zone is the last twenty yards before you get to the end zone, right? So you're basically you're, you're so close to your goal. And the worst thing you can do is mess it up, right, and throw a turnover in the red zone. And it's similar with your retirement. And this actually ties into maybe any moves you should make is are you in the retirement red zone? Are you right approaching your retirement goal next year, the year after? And uh, is it a key time for you to avoid making any further mistakes or fumbles or interceptions in this most critical time? of the game. Well, you know, the plays change. You're at midfield. You have one set of plays. If you're, you know, right next to the goal line, there's a whole different set of plays that your coach is going to call. So the same thing with us, uh, with your, if for you, if you're in retirement, if you're a year away or two years away or you're six months away, you need different set of plays than you did 10 years ago or five years ago. Mm-hmm. And that's where a plan comes in. That's where you might make some changes, not reacting to the market, but making the market fit your 
place on the football field. Yeah. Well, another analogy that I really like about the red zone is do you think, you know, there are certain plays that you run, right, and you practice them a few times, and there are certain plays you run over and over and over and you really prepare for because you know how important they are, and those are usually the plays in the red zone, right, because those are the ones that get you the, the score. And so my point there is that, you know, when you're in that spot, right, you're close to retirement or just about to retire, it's so much more important to be prepared, right, and to talk about what you're going to do there, not just, you don't just never prepare for it and get down there and then just chuck the ball up into the end zone, right? That doesn't work out as well. So there's a lot that we can do to prepare to be really successful at that point in time. I have a new client that just uh, came on board uh, for the past eight months, um, they, they just retired, and for the past eight months, they've been drawing 70 grand out a year. Uh, 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 I'm sorry, so I'm going to say 70 grand a month. It'd be nice. <laughs> It'd be nice. About 20, 20 grand a month. They're, they happen to be wealthy people out of the market selling while the market is going down so they could live. Yeah. Now, that's, that is a poor plan. That's like being in the red zone and, and scoring nothing. In yeah. fact, moving backwards, you know, moving tackle, back. Tackle for a loss. Tackle for a loss, yeah. exactly. Well, yeah, so, 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 so many things there that are important. Another thing that can be important, you know, things that football teaches us about financial planning, uh, would you agree with this sentence, and you'll know where I'm headed on this, does a coach being, uh, does a good or bad coach make a difference uh, to the success of the football team? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know where I'm going. I'm going to say, yeah, man. Absolutely. Of course, and you know where I'm headed with that, right? I sure do. Yeah. I so, sure. so well, it's like this: if you're climbing Mount Everest, do you go it alone or do you have a guide, a Sherpa? What What do you do, Gabriel? You know the answer to this. Well, I'm trying to stick to our football oh. analogy, Mister Lewis. Well, I, you know. Well, okay. Let me. Let me. Okay. You you, you have a head coach vacancy. Yes. And you have two options. You can choose the young head coach that's never done anything and that is unproven and that might or might not work out. Or you can choose the guy that has won six Super Bowl rings coaching his team that's, you know, got been through all types of adversity and challenges and good seasons, bad seasons, different teams, blah, blah, blah. Which one would you typically choose? You know, the problem is most, most Super Bowl winning coaches don't become available. Right? right, but which one would you choose if you could? You're probably going to choose the one that's got that expertise and has done it before. Surely, uh, but would would you would you choose a coach? Would you hire a football coach that is great at baseball? And I'm not sure that makes. Them. I'm going to pick I'm on you. A no, I don't no, know no, if that just, makes sense. Just <laughs> I mean, no. Obviously, I wouldn't pick a football coach that plays baseball. Right. So. So the coach <laughs> has to have the skills. But then he for, wouldn't be a football coach but if he played reti- baseball. But a retirement coach is very different than the generalist coach. I mean, they're both dealing with money, but one is coaching baseball and one is coaching football. I'll use a different <laughs> one. What if you, if you, won, was, an, uh, if you won an great. offensive-minded team, Wait do you second. hire a defensive head coach or an offensive-minded head coach? It wasn't great, <laughs> but it was good. It was okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it wasn't very good. Well, I think you. I will use mine. If you if you want a certain type of uh, team, then you 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 hire a certain type of coach. That's better, right? Okay, so that's better. So if you yeah, as you're looking at interviewing coaches or advisors, make sure you find one that fits your 
your philosophy, I think, is a very key. And where you are, where yeah. you are in life. You know, people that are 50 years old have very different needs than people who are 63 and thinking about retirement. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to do one last one because we're almost out of time. So I got yeah. to go quick. Yeah. Victory formation. Have you heard of this in football? Yes. It's something the Bears don't do much of. I've never seen it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just going to continue because I'm, uh, I'm tired of them losing for 10 years. They need 10 a quarterback. Uh, they need, they need uh, offensive linemen, uh, center, most importantly. Victory formation. This is when you know you have the game won. Uh, you just either run the ball safe and securely or you just kneel down because you know you have the game won and you don't worry about scoring more points because why? You've got the game won. Now, what does this mean for you? Do you want to, if you have the retirement game won and you don't need massive you know, yardage chunks that risk incompletions or interceptions, then maybe you just do safe and steady like running the ball and you don't fumble it. And the point in retirement is maybe you don't need to take tons of risk, a.k.a. risk of interceptions, to get huge gains, a.k.a. big yardage plays, Maybe you just can take victory formation and, and relax. Yeah, I don't get Win it. Win the I, game. I have clients that come in, new your prospective clients that run their numbers, and I say, man, you're in great shape. You've got this game won. Is it, those are the words that yeah, I use. I know you do. Yeah. And, and they say to me, really? And I say, look at the numbers. I mean, you, you can't mess this. I don't think you could mess this up. All right, so listen, we, we want to be very aggressive in the market. And then I show them what aggressive means. Yep. You know, so yep. are you very aggressive in a year like 2008? A, a very aggressive portfolio lost 50%. So if you have $2 million in the market, are you willing to take the risk that at some point in time you may look at that $2 million and it's worth $1 million? And they, no, no, I don't want to. And so why do you want to do that? Well, we're going to be missing all the growth. You got the game won. Take victory formation. Victory formation. Take it easy. Go out and Don't risk spend, the interception. Go learn yeah. how to spend the money instead yeah. of making more of it. So that's where we're going to end, folks. Uh, let's help you get into victory formation. We can do it here at SGL Financial, 847-499-3330, or go to sglfinancial.com, or you can email us, info at sglfinancial.com. Any questions, we've got one or two, I think, that have trickled in. We'll answer those on a next episode but thank you so much for tuning in i hope you enjoyed our discussion on the markets if you have any questions about the market what to do you know what's going on options alternatives call us and uh, we are here to help we are everybody and stay well stay well and we'll talk to you on the next one see you soon thanks for listening to our two cents with steve and gabriel lewitt for any questions about your finances, give SGL a call at 847-499-3330 or visit us on the web at sglfinancial.com and be sure to subscribe to join us on next week's episode. Investment advisory services are offered through SGL Financial LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance and other financial products are offered separately through individually licensed and appointed agents.